Let's give him great praise. Come on, from the bottom of your heart, lift up that hallelujah that belongs to him. My highest praise belongs to Jesus. Nothing else and nobody else deserves it. There is no other God but him. Come on, I feel him in this house right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you all the praise. Hallelujah. Oh, let's clap our hands unto him. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Before the Sunday school's dismissed, if you could turn your attention backwards towards that nice gentleman, Elder Bobo. If you notice, we've already exceeded that beacon. You see how it kind of already blew out. Well, I got good news. We've done it again. Uh, we are at 230,000. We're a little bit above that, but that's what we're going to market to today. I think we ought to. I think we ought to give God praise. Come on, let's give God great praise. See, that may not mean a lot to some people, but to the rest of us, that means we're moving forward. Oh, let's give Him glory and praise and honor. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. I want to encourage you. We have every February, we take 12 months from February, and uh, we have a vision giving service, and we'll have one again this year. And, uh, and so there's some time still, and we've already exceeded uh, that goal, but there's still some pledges out there, and we want to thank you for your faithfulness. But maybe you've exceeded yours. Well, I would encourage you, if God's blessing you, keep giving. Because the sooner we can, uh, you know, I believe God can perform miracles. Uh, but sometimes it takes the fish and the loaves. Amen. And uh, we put that in his hands and watch God multiply it. And uh, when you go before the bank, you, you, you don't just go with faith. You go with, uh, these are years of, of giving and uh, years of contribution. And here we go. This is what we sacrificed to do. And and I promise God's going to continue to bless, and uh, we're going to see everything that God promised you. And somebody said amen. amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students. If you turn to the book of Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. Good to see everyone in the house of the Lord here today to be worshiping God. Together with you is a wonderful Wonderful opportunity every single week. And uh, I'm believing God's going to do something today, don't you? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or a large amount of fish. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. 
and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ships that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. I want to skip back a couple verses when Simon answers. Jesus had just told him, let down your nets, plural, for a draught, a large catch. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. It's been hard, it's been dark, and we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And I want to preach this for a few moments on that subject. Nevertheless, nevertheless. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands and let's pray. I believe that God's got a word for somebody here tonight. Would you lift up your voice and pray with us that God would speak, that God's word would be heard. Nevertheless, at your word, Jesus, hallelujah. At your word that you have spoken, God, you're going to move on every individual, on every life here today, God. And we're giving you glory and honor and praise. Oh, come on, somebody, let's pray for just a few more moments. I believe God's got a word for somebody here today, and God's going to change some things. Amen. Hallelujah. But there's going to be some determination on our part. Hallelujah. That at your word, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, bless us today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, nevertheless, in reading this text, when I first got saved, I, I often would associate this moment with the conversion of Simon Peter. That somehow this was the first interaction that Peter ever got with Jesus. But that's not quite accurate if you look at it inside of the context. All you'd have to do is go back one chapter and you would find Jesus in a wilderness. And he is being tempted of the devil. And he is winning that victory. He is winning that fight by quoting back to that old lion devil the truth of the Word of God. And I want you to know here today that there is power in the Word of God. There is power. You want to know, well, I've got the devil fighting me. Why don't you open up your Bible and begin to read the Word of God and quote it right back at him. And tell him that thus saith the Lord. And you can stand on that word and know that that word has got power. Amen. He stands there in the temptation. He overcomes with the word of God. And then the Bible lets us know that he comes into Nazareth. And he goes into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up for to read. And he began to proclaim what his ministry was through the reading of the word of the Lord. And he lets them know that I have come for this purpose and for this reason, that I am going to preach the gospel to the poor. And he goes down this list of things that he's going to do. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to give recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them 
that are bruised. And Jesus then tells them, today the scripture is fulfilled. And it was in that synagogue that if we look through there, it was in that town of Nazareth and inside of Galilee and, and all in the region round about that Simon Peter lived. And Simon Peter had his fishing business. And we see that Jesus is there and he goes from that point teaching the word of God that had power over the devil. He had that word with him, and the Bible would tell us in John that Jesus was, in fact, that word. And as he began to preach through all the regions, people started getting mad because he didn't speak to them like one of the scribes or one of the Pharisees or one of the religious, but Jesus spoke as one who had authority. When Jesus uses the word of God, he's not just speaking of it as a scholar or a scribe. When Jesus begins to speak a word over your life, I want you to know he has authority because he is the author. He's the one that wrote it down. He's the one that inspired it. And there's no one like Jesus that can open up that book and begin to speak a word directly where you are. And that word doesn't come as somebody that just studied it or is familiar with it. But it comes not out of the word. It comes from the word. And when that word comes, it comes with authority. It comes with power. And everything that's in that book, when Jesus begins to speak it, it begins to be a reality. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. Simon is following Jesus. He hears this preaching. He hears these teachings. He knows that when Jesus speaks this word, there's something different about it. We see later in chapter 4 that Simon opens up his home as a preaching point for this word. And he allows that word to go forth. And while they are in Simon's house, the Bible says that they start bringing people that are sick. They start bringing people that are possessed. They start bringing people that are dysfunctional. They start bringing people. Why? Because where the word is, where there is power, amen, there's going to be deliverance as well. I want you to know you came to church today, but you didn't come just to go through religious motions. What you've come is to hear the word of God. And when you hear that word, there's power. There's power over devils. There's power over sickness. There's power over your inconsistencies, your deficiencies. When you get a hold of this word, there's power. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Come on, if you've experienced that power, why don't you love him? He brings Jesus into his home, and Jesus begins to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. People are astonished at his doctrine. They're astonished at his authority. They're astonished at his abilities. They're astonished at his power. And while Jesus is in Peter's home, the Bible says that his mother-in-law gets sick, and she's got a fever, and she can't get up. Amen. And they tell Jesus about her. I want to help somebody for just a moment to off of my notes uh, that if you've got something wrong in your life uh, you don't talk about it to your friends necessarily but when you've got something wrong in your life uh, when you got sickness in your body you got to go to the one that has power uh, you got to go to the one that's got authority you got to go to Jesus 
It's all right to tell Jesus about your problems. It's all right to tell Jesus about your sickness. It's all right to tell Jesus that you need help. It's all right to tell Jesus that you can't make it by yourself. And I promise you this, that when you tell Jesus, he's got enough authority. He's got enough power to make a change in your life. When God shows up, he shows out in your life. He shows up with authority, not just as somebody who studied the word, but as one who is the word. He has the ability to cast out devils. He preaches and teaches out of Simon's house. And when there's even sickness in his house, not somebody else's house, because that's how some of us get. We start thinking, well, if there's sickness in somebody else's house, we got faith for it. But if there's sickness in my house, I don't have the faith for it. When there's problems in that person's life, I've got faith for them. But when there's problems in my life, I don't have any faith for it. I want to help somebody that you can tell Jesus about the problems in your life. And Jesus will. He will make a difference. They tell Jesus about her and Jesus heals her. She rises up and she ministers to them. Jesus can cast out devils and Jesus can heal the blinded eyes. Jesus can heal lepers, but I want to help you. Jesus can also cure fevers. Hallelujah. He's not limited uh, by little things either. It's, there's nothing too big and there's nothing too small that you can't bring it to Jesus. Hallelujah. But Jesus goes and he does great things and he does little things. And Jesus is interested in helping things. He preaches in other cities and people follow him. And everywhere that he goes, there is power and demonstration. And then we find ourselves in Luke chapter 5. Jesus comes to a lakeside. And people are flocking to Jesus. And they're trying to figure out who this man is, they have been hearing great and mighty miracles and great and mighty words. And, and there's something about when you really get, get the hold of the Jesus of the Bible, it is like a magnet. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, amen, speaking of the cross and his crucifixion, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. There's something that happens when we start talking about the Jesus of the Bible. People have got to find out about him. People, have, they don't care how far they got to drive. They don't care how far they got to go. And the words of Brother Diaz is just down the road a couple of 50 miles. But they will go wherever they got to go to get to Jesus. They'll want to get to Jesus. They'll crawl to get to Jesus. They'll break through roofs to get to Jesus. They'll go in the desert to get to Jesus. When you preach this Jesus, people got to get a hold of him. Some people, they're just trying to figure it out. There's the scribes and Pharisees. They're coming. There's a group there, and there's different types of people that come to follow Jesus. And, and there's always going to be some that come for different reasons. Some come for the fish and loaves. Some come for the free handouts. Uh, some people come uh, because they want to question Jesus. They've got uh, a different motive there. But regardless of why you come, I think it's important that you come to Jesus because when you come to Jesus, he can answer the questions you have. There's other people, they came to see miracles. They were spectators. They, wanted to, they just wanted to go, and, and they were tired of their boring life. They wanted to see uh, that, that crazy guy preaching. They wanted to go and see what was going on at that church. And, and there's some people that come for different reasons, but there were other people that didn't just come to see miracles. They came to be the miracles. They were tired of being sick. They were tired of being depressed. They were tired of... And they came for that reason. But there was others that came... They wanted to hear the word of Jesus. 
because there was something about that word that was different. Some came just to hear Jesus speak. I wish I could go back in time. When I get to heaven, I'd love just to hear him speak. Reading it's great, but I'd love to hear it out of his voice. When we come, we've got different reasons why we come. But, but whether it's to see a miracle, be a miracle, question. I think every one of us, when we come to church, we've got to come with our heart prepared to hear the word of God. Because it is in hearing that word, amen, it is in hearing that word that things can really change in our lives. It is hearing that word, amen, that we have an opportunity to see the miracles in our own personal life, amen. It's great for somebody else to have an encounter and somebody else to have an experience. But when I get a hold of the word of God for myself, I can see transformation. The Bible says that by faith we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And when you come to church and you hear the preaching and you hear the word of God being read, he starts changing things and shifting things. He starts molding you into what he wants you to be. Not what society told you, not what your family told you, but when you get a hold of that word, he makes a difference. People came. And they came in such droves, the Bible says they pressed in to hear the word of God. I believe there's coming a day where people are going to line up outside the church doors, amen, to hear the word of God. And one day if they ever shut down the church, uh, I promise you this, uh, we're going to meet in homes and people are going to come to hear the word. Hallelujah. We've got to show up excited and ready to hear the word of God because in hearing that word, it's got power over demonic forces. In hearing that word, it's got power over sickness. In hearing that word, it's got power over my mind. In hearing that word, it's got power over my life. In hearing that word, it's got power to make a difference in my family. In hearing that word, it's got power to make a difference in my marriage. In hearing that word, it's got power to make a difference in my finances. In hearing that word, it's got power. I want to help you here today that when you hear the word of God he's enduing you with power from on high oh somebody clap your hands and magnify him oh come on let's lift up our hands and let's love him Come on, that's what's happening right now. Some folks are getting a transfusion from the Word of God. Amen. He is lifting you up out of where you've been, and it's coming from His Word. Jesus shows up, and when He shows up to the seashore, He sees two ships standing by the lake without fishermen. I want to help somebody, something very revelatory. Ships were not meant to be by the sea. They were meant to be in the sea. They were not meant to be on the shore. They were meant to be in the middle of the lake. We as people of God are like these ships. We are not meant for the shallows and we are not meant for the shore. But when we get into the word of God, it's not meant to be just this deep. Amen. God is calling us to a deeper place. God is pulling us and saying launch out into the deep. Launch out of being a shallow individual. Launch out of being a shallow Christian. Launch out. Get out of standing on the seashore. But go out into the deepest place where I have created you and I have formed you not to live and just barely make it by but I've created you, amen, to soar above it all, to 
Come on, somebody. When you get that word, he begins to call what you really are and what you're really made to be. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to stay where you are. He says, come a little deeper. Come a little higher. You can go a little further. When you hear that word, he compels you. No fishermen were in it. There's churches like that. There's no preachers that will tell people, amen, the ideal of Scripture and what the Word of God says. And so, therefore, people stay by the seashore. And there they find themselves cleaning their nets, unnecessary mending. And if we don't go out and catch things in the deep and we don't allow ourselves to go beyond just the shallowness of life, we will find ourselves in maintenance mode and we will start doing unnecessary maintenance and we'll start cleaning things that aren't even being used and we'll just think, well, we got to keep everything pristine. Church, we weren't created to be absolutely pristine. We were created to be effective. We were created... We were created to catch fish. We were, the church doesn't have to be perfectly pristine. Why? Because we're working with people that are coming all out of this world, and it gets dirty, and it gets stinky, and it gets messy. But go ahead. I'd rather have it messy and the crib be dirty than clean and there be no auction, than clean and there be no fish, than have everything perfect and in order. I'm telling you, we've got to have a moment where we go on a little deeper and we put things out. It takes courage to do that, though. It takes courage to go out into the deep. It takes courage for somebody to say, I'm going to step out of where I've been. I've, I've allowed myself to play in just a puddle of water for long enough. And I am I'm ready, God, for you to lead me a little deeper. And I am ready, Jesus, for you to move in my life. This was not the first encounter that Peter had with Jesus. Amen. In fact, this was the moment that I feel was the, the converting moment, in his, one of the converting moments in his life. Jesus has heard, has been there, and he's healed his mother-in-law. He's preached the word. He's done many different things. And here in this text, we are seeing the next encounter that Simon has with Jesus. There is a progression of Peter's obedience and Peter's action. Amen. Now Jesus comes to him and says, push back from the shore. Push back from the common and the ordinary and the shallow. You followed me. You've seen me perform miracles and you've heard my word. But now, unlike everybody else that's content with the shore, I'm going to cause you to push out a little bit from it. And Peter pushes back a little from the shore. And it, for a moment, he's okay with that. He does not complain. He does not say anything about it. And Jesus teaches the word out of that boat. And there was, there was just a moment where Peter enjoyed that word. He got to be in church and he liked it. And then Jesus comes with a moment where he asks him to make a decision. Every person is going to come to this moment with Jesus. Every individual. You can come and you can hear the word of God. You can see miracles. You can see great things. And he can lead you a little, a little distance. But there will come a moment where he's going to make you to he's going to cause you to make a decision. He's going to bring you to that deciding moment. Will you stay where you are or will you move forward in life? Will you continue, amen, to be lapped against the shore where your ship begins to break apart over every little thing? Or are you going to push out a little further? And here he tells Peter, I want you to go beyond where you've gone with my word. Go 
beyond where you have been going with experiencing me. Now I want you to make a decision and start acting on everything you've seen and acting on everything you've heard. And you've heard the preaching, you've seen the miracles, but now it's going to take a moment of action. And Jesus tells him, I want you to launch out into the deep. Get out of the shallows. Get out of the ordinary. Get out of what you're comfortable with. Get out of what you're used to. Amen. You've seen miracles. You've heard the word. But now we're going to traverse where others are not willing to go. Now I want to take you as your God to a place where others are not willing to go. Others are scared to go. I'm going to take you out deeper. Does anybody want to go deeper in God? Would you lift up your hands right now? I believe today God's going to help somebody to take and push back. You're going to have to push back from some friends. You're going to have to push back from some relationships. You're going to have to push back from some thought processes. You're going to have to push back, amen, from some attitudes. You're going to have to push back, amen, because if you stay in that shore, it won't help. Launch out. Everybody's going to get a call from God that says launch out. You got to get away from the ordinary. And now you could you've got a decision. You can stay where you are and that boat will just get wrecked against the shore as it beats against the against against the sand. Yes, it is possible that this boat could sink out in the middle. It is possible. Some people they don't move forward because they're scared of what if. What if I get out there and I sink? What if, what, if I, what if I go to where God's calling me and I lose some friends? What if I actually obey Jesus and, and it just doesn't work out the way that I thought it would? What happens and so many people are bound by the what ifs of life and they're bound and it's all up here in their mind. But Jesus does not ask you, amen, about the possibilities of what could go wrong. All he's asking for you to do is to act on everything that you've heard and everything that you've seen. And yes, this boat could sink and yes, things could go wrong and yes, people could leave your life or this could be the greatest catch of your fish career. This could be the greatest moment of your life and of your existence. You could stay in the shallows and you could say well it, it might have gone wrong and wonder for the rest of your life if I'd have just said yes to Jesus what would have changed in my life. If I'd have just said yes to the master what could have happened. Or you can risk it all and you can say Lord I'm going whether I sink or not I'm going to go out into that place and I'm going to go deeper somebody lift up your hands come on I'm almost done preaching somebody's going to get a hold when you hear the word of God there's a moment of action there's a moment of response where you say Lord I've heard it I've seen it but now I'm going to obey it now I'm going to do exactly what you're calling me to do Jesus tells him launch out into the deep and I want you to put your nets down into the deep. I want you to go deeper and then reach down. Go into the deep. Now reach down into the deep. 
I want you to take something in moments like this in services while I'm preaching. There's so many more things that are happening in this moment that we even realize what's God doing. He's leading us out of the shallows of Christianity of just that barely, well, I just come once in a while. No, he's leading us out of that. And he's saying, go a little deeper. And then there's an opportunity for you to reach down your nets and say, I'm not going home empty handed. Revelations from the deep do not belong in the deep. They belong to go home with you. It's going to cause you to grow as an individual. It's going to cause you to grow as a Christian. You've got to be willing to go and bring something back. This was Peter's problem, though. He began to tell Jesus every excuse to why he couldn't and why he shouldn't. He had no problem pushing back a little bit and getting a little distance. But the moment Jesus told him to launch out into the deep, uh, amen, even if it was just a boat ride, he may not have had a problem with that. Uh, but Jesus said, those nets that you are cleaning unnecessarily, uh, I want you to put those back on your boat. Uh, I want you to go back into the deep, uh, and I want you to drop things down and try to gather some things together from the deep. Uh, and Peter looks right back at Jesus, uh, and he says, Master, uh, I'm a fisherman. You're the son of a carpenter. Let me tell you a few things. I understand what it is to be out there. He says I've gone out there. We were there all night. It was dark. It was cold. It was lonely. We didn't We didn't, We didn't. didn't know what was going to happen but we put down our nets and we brought them up time and time again. I've tried it and I've tried it and I've tried it and it's not worked. We worked and we toiled. We worked with rigor. We worked with effort. We prayed about it. We sought about it. We went to church. I went to a certain level in God and I tried and I tried and I tried but it didn't seem to make the effect that I thought it should and I put down my nets and nothing came up with those nets I tried and put my best effort and my best foot forward anybody ever felt like that I worked and I worked and I worked and things did not work out I tried and I tried and I tried and it didn't matter what I tried to do it did not work so Jesus let me tell you a few things I worked hard I've toiled all night I've been through the cold I've been through the dark and nothing got better and nothing changed and Jesus doesn't look at him and say okay thank you for the excuses you can stay where you are I thank you Jesus that you don't leave me where I am he says launch out anyways I preach it. Pray anyways. Preach anyways. Worship anyways. He's not looking for an excuse. He's looking for action. He's not looking for excuses why you can't and why you shouldn't and why you couldn't. He's saying go for it. Oh, somebody lift up your hands right now. Come on, I'm preaching to some Peters right now. Some Simons that'll say, well, I've tried. Pastor, I've tried. I've done it before. I, I've got to that level, and, and the water's got a little choppy. I got out there, and, and it, you know, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And, and I, I've done this, and I don't want to die another night out there toiling, and I don't want to go out there and nothing change, and I don't want to try and then be disappointed. I, I don't want to try and then and then just come back empty-handed. I, want, I don't want to do that anymore. I can't handle that anymore and Jesus says launch out oh sorry to lift up your hands come on let's pray right now come on there's some folks you've been to levels in God
This ain't your first rodeo. I didn't come to preach. I, I thank God for every first time guest, but I think there's some folks here today. This is not your first encounter with Jesus. You've seen what he can do. You've heard what he has said. And now he's saying, I want you to take some action. And you're saying, I tried that once and it didn't work. I want you to try again. I want you to get up from where you are and launch out a little deeper and say, God, I'm going to give it my all. Jesus, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I fished. I got a fishing business. I know what it is to go out there. And there's some people that live their entire Christian existence this way. I go out in the deep on Sunday. And I just go back on Monday. Right back to the shallows. But they come back empty-handed. Nothing from the deep. No revelations to make their life any different. They go and they hear the word of God, but they don't apply it. And it's like somebody that goes out fishing but doesn't take a net or a rod with them. You're not going to catch anything, hoping things are just going to jump in your boat. And, well, maybe somebody will just drop it off for me. No, you got to go out. you got to launch into the deep, and you got to let down your nets and say, God, what do you have for me? You go to church, and you say, God, what word are you going to speak over my life? You go to, and you worship, and you say, God, I give it my all, and I'm investing myself into what you're doing. And when you let down your nets, there's something that's going to change. Take some action. Jesus, I know what I'm doing. Nothing's changing. Nothing's Nothing's happened in my life. It's been dark. It's been cold. I've had hard times. I've struggled. And, and, and it's just not changing in my life. And, and it's struggle one after another after another and trial after trial. And I feel like it's only getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm just trying to go a little deeper. I've worked all night. I've taken nothing. I'm mending my nets. I'm ready to go home. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm just done. I'm about ready to get, give it all up and quit the fishing business. Amen. I'm I'm preparing for the future, and, and I've just got my ideas that maybe I'll try again next month or next week or next year, or maybe when I'm 40, I'll come and live for God. Maybe after I have a couple kids, I'll serve God. Amen. But but Peter looks right back at Jesus after giving all of his excuses, looking in the face of God that is not looking for excuses, and he tells him this, nevertheless, at your word. Somebody's going to get it in a moment. He said, I've worked all night. It's not worked. I've tried and it didn't work out. I got cold. I got tired. I'm sick of trying. But but, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to obey. Nevertheless means in spite of, notwithstanding, regardless, all the same. Mail some people some English real quick. It's like saying you're great, but... Doesn't matter what you said before, just listen to what they said after. You know, I love you, but forget that they love you. Just remember what they're saying afterwards because that's really what they're saying. In these moments, words like nevertheless, he's saying, I'm tired, I'm cold, I've been rejected, I've been depressed, I've been down, I don't know what's going on, I got bitter, I got offended, you name it. You put it, you put whatever you want in that list. And then he says, nevertheless, regardless, forget everything I just said. Amen. I know it's an excuse. I'm not trying to make an excuse for my excuse. Amen. Nevertheless, because of what I've seen you do and because of what I've heard you say, I've been I've been around you too long. 
I've seen you do too much. I've heard you preach too many messages for me to stay here and think it's going to be all right. No. He said, forget everything that I've been through. Amen. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, because of what you've done. Nevertheless, I will launch out. I know it's been dark, but I'm going anyways. I know it was cold, but nevertheless, I'm going anyways. I know we were broke, but nevertheless, we're going anyways. I know I'm sick, but nevertheless, I'm going. I know I'm tired of sailing, but nevertheless, amen, I might have felt like I lost hope, but nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will go. Somebody lift up your hands. Let's stand across the building. Come on, there's deep places right now for somebody. It's available. Well, but God, I've got to go to one more party. Nevertheless, nevertheless, God, I don't feel like it right now. Nevertheless. Amen. You could put whatever excuse you've had through the years. Amen. It's not saying it's invalid. Amen. The problem with these excuses is those excuses are often very valid. But you've got to put a nevertheless at your word. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm, I'm, you, you, you fill in the blank wherever you might be right now. I'm uncertain. I'm confused. But in spite of what I feel, nevertheless, amen, regardless, I will go and I will obey. There are times that we've got to allow a nevertheless to get in our spirit. We've got to have a nevertheless prayer. Well, I prayed and it's not worked out up until this point. Nevertheless, I'm going to pray again. We need to have a nevertheless praise that says I worshipped and I worshipped. And I don't necessarily feel it right now, but nevertheless, I'm going to worship again. Amen. I, I I've tried to do what God says and I've failed and I've made mistakes. Nevertheless, I'm going to obey your word that you're calling me to. You've got to have a nevertheless attitude, a nevertheless spirit, and you take it with you everywhere you go. What happens when somebody says, and let me just help somebody real quick, bring it all home. God is not offended by your reluctant obedience. There's a, there's a parable Jesus tells about two sons. One said, when the father asked him to do something, one said, son said, absolutely. And with joy and exuberance said, I'll do it. And never did it. There's some people like that. They spring up, but they have no depth of earth. Yeah, God, I'll do everything you asked of me. And then you never see him again. We had one guy stand up before at our church back home, and he said, I'm here for the duration. That was his last service. But honestly, then there's people, unfortunately, I got this characteristic myself, that say no. Can't make me do that. Nobody's going to force me. Hard-headed and stiff-necked. God forgive me and don't let my kids get that. I ain't going to do it. And pastor preaches one more message. I guess. <laughs> Nevertheless. You're not, you're scared of people. Why don't you go in up and preach? Not really a fan of that one. Another friend stood up and said, I'll do it. I got skills and abilities. And they're backslidden today. I said no at first. But eventually I said, okay, God. Nevertheless, in spite of my excuses, 
in spite of my resistant nature, in spite of my stubbornness, in spite of my stiff-neckedness, God, in spite of the fact that I am immediately want to reserve and I want to hold back and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm preaching to somebody real good. Amen. God is not offended by the fact that you want to hold back at first and you are not quite certain. Amen. He's not not offended by all of the excuses that you might present to Him. They don't shock Him and they don't confuse Him and they don't make Him mad. All He's waiting for is that nevertheless. Maybe you didn't say yes at first, but are you ready to say yes now? Maybe you didn't say yes a couple years ago, but are you ready to say yes now? Maybe you resisted God, but now you're saying, okay, God, I know how I've lived, and I've toiled all night, and it's not worked. And I don't really want to do it right now, and I'm a little resistant to it, but, but I heard what you said, and I felt what you're doing, and I, I know you're calling me to a deeper place, so... Regardless of how I feel and regardless of what I've been and regardless of where I was and regardless who I was with and regardless of all of that and, and regardless of what I'm experiencing and encountering right now, uh, nevertheless, it's your word. I might have been reluctant at first, but I say yes now. God's going to take some people that have been reluctant up until this point, and he's just been waiting staring back into your life saying will you say yes and today you've got an opportunity to say okay God regardless of everything I feel like I might lose nevertheless it's your word I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to launch out into the deep and when they made the decision to launch out to the deep the Bible says they put in and they pulled in so many fishes their life was more blessed than they ever thought it was their family was more blessed come on I'm talking to somebody about abundance I'm talking to somebody about going beyond the shallows and barely surviving and barely making it by and when you take your family into the deep and you let down your nets I've been there before and took nothing home But now you're taking it home and you're saying there's so much. Not only do you get it, their boat began to sink. And they called somebody next to them and said, hey, you got to get out here where I am. There's some people in your direct line of communication that have said no to Jesus, that have said no to church, that have been, they've said no because they've resisted, because they're afraid, and they've got all these excuses. But when you get out there and you put down your nets and you pull it up, all of a sudden you say, come with me. There's more than enough for everybody. Lift up your hands right now. Let's pray. Come on, maybe it's been a little resistant. Maybe it's been those moments where you were saying, "There's a lot." it's not a good time. It's been a hard time. Maybe it's been a trying time. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll obey. Somebody pray right now. Would you lift up your voice? I'm done preaching. But today, somebody's going to come up with a nevertheless in their spirit. It says, in spite of everything I've been through, I will live for Jesus. In spite of everything I feel, I will obey Jesus. In spite of my resistant nature at first and and the fact that I wanted to hold back, no, today I'm saying yes to Jesus. I might have resisted it and held back, but God, today, nevertheless, it's your word. I'm going to make my way to that altar, and I'm going to put my life on it, and I'm going deeper, and I'm going to get in your word, and I'm not going to be shallow anymore. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? 
Would you find yourself a place in this front? Amen. If you got to kneel, kneel. If you got to stand and lift up your hands, I want to invite your family. Don't stay where you are. Amen. Move. If you're tired of being in the shallows and just being about that deep of life and not encountering true joy and true peace, I want you to go out a little deeper and let down your nets and say, God, we're taking it home today. God, what do you have for me? What is there in the deep, God? What revelation are you going to give me? God, what blessing is there? Come on, nevertheless, Lord. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word. Come on, I've seen what your word did for my mother-in-law. Nevertheless, at your word. I've seen what your nevertheless, I've seen what your word has done for church members. Nevertheless, it's your word I will obey. I've seen, I've seen what you're capable of, Jesus. So I'm making up in my mind. Nevertheless, I commit myself to you. I'll say Come on, that's it. Somebody come and pray. Come on, launch out. Launch out in prayer. Well, pastor, I don't feel like it. That's all right. Nevertheless, do it anyways. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Nevertheless, do it anyways. I don't know what God has for me. That's all right. Nevertheless. Do it anyways. 